Stanford versus USC. Here we go again. I cannot wait until Saturday evening. Heck, I can't wait to bring you another TreeCast. So let's do it right now, shall we? It's the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. So glad that you are with us. I'm indeed Troy Clarity. Hey, how are you? Hope you're doing well. You should be. It's USC week. Big things on the table whenever the Cardinal and the Trojans get together. And uh, very excited about uh, this week's show that we're about to bring to you to preview that very big contest. Going to be joined in a bit by Stanford linebacker Sean Barton. Boy, it was good to see him back on the field against San Diego State last week. Looking forward to uh, getting his thoughts from his perspective. One of the inside linebackers for the Stanford Cardinal. I thought that unit played pretty well for the most part against San Diego State. Sean Barton breaking down USC as only he can. That's coming up in a few minutes. And I'm always, always very happy to be in the company of our second guest on the TreeCast this week. Pac-12 Network football analyst, podcast host with Life Without Limits, which is a fantastic show, uh, filmmaker, renaissance man, lover of salads, and all-around good dude, Yogi Roth. He was on the call for the Pac-12 Networks last week when USC beat UNLV. So obviously has a long-time ties with that program. So I'm looking forward to uh, getting uh, Yogi's thoughts and picking his brain about the Trojans and uh, some things that he will be keeping an eye on as Saturday evening unfolds. So Sean Barton, Yogi Roth, those are our two guests on the TreeCast for this go-around. Who am I? I'm Troy Clarity, my 26th season of following Stanford football in various capacities, broadcaster, columnist, you name it, I've done it uh, when it comes to following and broadcasting Stanford football. Very pleased to be back uh, with uh, the Pac-12 Network, myself, for a fifth year doing play-by-play for them. This time of year for the Pac-12 Network, I'm all about soccer, which is great. Men's and women's soccer has me uh, very, very busy, so looking forward to uh, getting back in the swing of things with them um, next week. And obviously, Stanford football, top of mind, obviously, when it comes to this podcast, which we're glad that you found. Now that you found us, subscribe to us. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Make sure you do that. And also, please make sure that you rate and review the program as well. I certainly appreciate and big-time thank you to those of you who have done so uh, to this point, uh, getting good reviews and getting good ratings from people I don't even know. (laughs) I certainly appreciate uh, all of those things. Uh, Keep it going. Uh, Tell your friends about this podcast. Make sure that it becomes part of your routine and make sure it becomes part of their routine as well. Nothing like Stanford versus USC. And uh, Stanford coming into this game on the heels of a 31-10 win over San Diego State. And I think overall, for the most part, Stanford achieved a lot of things that they wanted to achieve last week against the San Diego State Aztecs. A very good team, which we talked about uh, in the immediate aftermath of last week's game. A very dangerous team. They bottled up Rice Love. Yes, they did. But they were able to find a whole new facet to their passing attack and uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside blowing up on a national scale. So Stanford got the win, but a lot of things, and we talked about this on uh, last Saturday's podcast, a lot, of, a lot of coaching points going forward with which Stanford can improve on for the remainder of the season. They'll certainly need to increase their level of play starting this week against uh, the USC Trojans, but... Uh, a, a lot to build upon. As mentioned, I, I really like what the out, what the inside linebackers did. Uh, the Stanford defense as a whole, yes, they got pushed around for a drive or two, but for the most part, 
No major quarrels with how Stanford performed uh, defensively against San Diego State. Yes, the Stanford rushing attack did not do much at all. In fact, only rushed for 50 yards, 50 yards against San Diego State last week. That will certainly need to improve if Stanford wants to try to open things up a little bit. I mean, yeah, it was nice to see J.J. Arcega-Whiteside play play man among boys. I don't think I've seen anything quite like that since Evan Moore was uh, running through secondaries, and uh, in particular just to being a real thorn in San Jose State side uh, back in the day. Evan Moore will be in the building, by the way, as he'll be uh, hosting, co-hosting uh, the Pac-12 Network football pregame show uh, at Stanford Stadium. So that should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to bumping into him once more. But while it was nice to see K.J. Costello put up put up career passing yardage numbers, still needs to be seen a Stanford rushing attack that can get back up to the level that 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 fans and foes alike expected to be at. Should be interesting to watch. Stanford gets back into the swing of things against USC, and it was it was interesting when I pulled up to uh, practice on Wednesday afternoon. I, I parked my car in the lots, maybe about a quarter mile or so away from the practice fields, and before I'd even gotten out of my car, I could hear it off in the distance, off in the background. Dun, 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 dun. Yep, they had the loudspeakers going to practice. They had tribute to Troy, and they had fight on the USC fight song on a loop and cranked all the way up. And that was the case for a couple of hours. And if that didn't uh, remind you that this was USC week, then I'm sure nothing would have. But it was cool to catch up after practice with a young man who it was great to see him back on the field. And making some impactful plays, making some nice stops, some nice contributions to Stanford's defensive efforts against San Diego State last week. Sean Barton, number 27, back on the field and back in the uniform for Stanford last week against San Diego State. We talked about the the task ahead that Stanford has against the USC Trojans and what it's like being an inside linebacker in this scheme. Check it out. My chat. Well, Stanford inside linebacker, Sean Bart. All right, Sean, let's go back to uh, last Saturday against San Diego State. I'm sure a day that you got to check off a lot of boxes yourself, returning to the field, and even better, beating San Diego State. What was last Saturday like for you? It was a mix of emotions. Um, it was obviously awesome to come back on the field, be back with my teammates. It was some poetic justice, in my opinion, that it was against San Diego State. And best of all, we got the win, which is most important. So it was, it was a good day. Overall, how did you assess how things went uh, as the game went along? A little wobbly at some points in the first quarter, but certainly improved in a big way the rest of the way. Exactly. I mean, you expect the first game were a little rusty. We're not exactly sure. We've been in camp all week, or for a few months, actually, a few weeks. But coming out after the first quarter, I think we really got our feet underneath us, started seeing things quicker, started communicating better, and things Things looked like they were getting better towards the end of the game, so we hope that we can continue that. You're one of the inside linebackers on this squad. Take us through some of the responsibilities that, that you have at that position and, and, you know, in the moments leading up to the snap, you know, what are some of the things that you're that you're taking into consideration up until the snap of the ball? Yeah, I mean, I might catch some flack for this, but I think we've got the toughest position. <laughs> we, we have to communicate with the front and the secondary, so we need to know the front, uh, the stunts, any stunts or blitzes that are called, as well as the, the secondary coverage behind us. Uh, we got to communicate uh, as far as you know what we want to do with certain assignments, whether it's a, a wide receiver or a special special assignment such as like Christian or Bryce, somebody that you know is a playmaker. And then once the play starts, you got to know your assignment. You got to be in the right position, and then you got to 
read what's happening in front of you, whether that's a lineman uh, pulling or a tight end down blocking, because that can completely change your assignment based off of what they're doing. Yeah, so. How much of playing inside linebacker is game plan and how much of it is just straight reaction and just reading and reacting to what you're seeing out there? I think it's it's a really good mix of both because the more you know the game plan, the quicker you can just react. It's almost comes second nature instead of having to think through things. I think a lot of times you see with young guys when they get out there for the first few reps of real game time, they have to think through things because they're inexperienced. The longer you get or the more time you get out there, you really start to see people react. When you watch Bobby play, he can just react. Uh, it's the older guys, Mustafa, Jordan, myself. It's, it's more reacting because we're aware of the game plan where it's so embedded in us at this point. Yeah, size up this inside linebacking crew yourself, Bobby Okariki, who's really shown flashes throughout his career. Uh, Jordan Perez, we saw him last year, haven't seen him so far this year. Mustafa Branch has had moments as well. Size up those guys and, and what each of them can, can bring to the table. I mean, each guy is different. Uh, Mustafa's explosive. Uh, he, he's knocking guys out. He's probably the quickest of the group. Jordan is really physical. He knows the defense probably the best out of everybody. Bobby's just a playmaker, and he's gotten better in every phase of the game. Uh, I think it's really interesting to watch us all. We mix and match, so every time you're out there with somebody different, it's, it's nice to see how we complement each other in a way. Can't forget the young guys either. I mean, Pritz has done he's, – he's gained jumps, leaps and bounds. He's coming from secondary to come down to the linebacker. It's a tough position, a tough switch. Uh, and then obviously the young guys, uh, but can't forget Beecher, <laughs> Beecher and Lewis, guys who are – Really just bringing everything, every play. They, uh, they've been with us since day one. We're pretty much the whole group has been there for four years. So it's, it's our best friend. I mean, those are my best friends, you know? We're, we're together all the time off of the, on and off the field. Those are my roommates. Like, it's a really tight-knit group. I think we bring a lot to the, the team as far as being the backbone of the team. Take us through your road back to getting on the playing field. A long process, I'm sure not a very easy process either. Uh, take us through it. What were some of the things that you had to overcome and, and, and how uh, how did you come through the other side of it? It was grueling. It was, uh, I don't wish that on anybody. It was a long process. Um, mentally and physically, I mean, there are a lot of, I mean, I had two surgeries. I had, at one point I had two knee braces on. It was just a tough circumstance that I had to, dig in mentally and so have the support around me with my teammates, my family. Um, they were awesome. They were, they were there every step of the way. Can't say enough about the training staff getting me right. Uh, I was in there for hours and hours every day for almost a year now. Every single day, spent time with, with Chris, with Floyd, with Emily, in there getting treatment, getting PT. It was, it was a long process. And then mentally, too, I mean, it's tough watching, watching the team play when you – can't be there you know I remember I think the toughest part was watching us play at Utah we played at Utah mm -hmm. which my family is huge Utah fans I mm -hmm. went to every Utah game growing up and that was the only game I've ever had circled if you can call it that <laughs> and it was really hard to watch from home you know just to be injured and unable to pay so it was a long process and I'm really grateful for the guys that had my back that were were there supporting me, telling me I'd get through it, and just kind of stuck my head down and got to work. You know, I don't know a lot of other things besides just working to get things over with, you know, so. And the work continues this year. I'll get your thoughts on USC in a moment, but first overall grand scheme of things, big picture, what are some of the things that, that are on your plate that you want to try to accomplish this year, and what are some things that are going to have to happen in order for you at the very end of it to say, hey, I had a successful season, uh, we had a successful season as well? Um, you know, I think... Me, personally, I need to work on my hands and my eyes, get better with both of those, uh, get my feet back underneath me a little bit. I feel a little bit better after the first game. You know, I was a little nervous coming back, haven't been back for a while. Um, my success really hinges on the team's success. I, 
I don't really give a damn about myself. It's more about the boys. You know, if, if we can get where we want to go, whether that's Pac-12 championship and further, that's most important to me. And so at the end of the day, if that checkbox is, is marked off, I feel good about myself. Uh, I'll do whatever it takes to get help, help get the guys there. And I'm sure beating USC would accomplish a yes, whole sir. lot of goals uh, for this squad yes, uh, in, in the year ahead. USC, a bit of an unknown, obviously, quarterback, although JT Daniels played well overall, a bit rough at the start, but you know, he's a freshman. He, he yeah. kind of got to see the legs underneath him. Uh, overall, a bit ragged sometimes for USC, but they really re rebounded and beat UNLV convincingly at the very end of it. It's, US, it's USC week. You got the music playing in the background during practice this week. Well, let me start here. What, what does this week mean to you? It's always fun. It's always fun playing USC. You got some of the best athletes that you'll face, um, one of the best teams. It's a, it's a storied program, obviously. And regardless of what they put on tape the week before, you know you're get, they're going to give their A game when they come with us. It's always a tough matchup, whether it's a down year or not. They, they come and they bring everything they have. And I, I look forward to it every year. I know the rest of the team does. It's really a chance to, to gauge yourself, you know, to see where you're at at this point in the season and, and where you can improve and play in front of a raucous crowd. So it's a good time. It's always a good time playing SC. Your overall keys against the Trojans this week? Stop the run, make him one-dimensional, and uh, put some pressure on the young man's shoulder. See what he can do. Always fun whenever Stanford and USC get together. I don't. I. I this is the most I want to hear that USC band here at practice today. I don't want to hear them a lot on Saturday exactly, evening. Can you do yeah. something about that? That's the plan. That's the plan. <laughs> Keep it. So it's just we only here to practice. That's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> From North Salt Lake, Utah, Sean Barton joining us on the Treecast. Sean, thanks a bunch. Always appreciate your time. And we'll talk to you again soon. Good luck. Sounds good. Thank you. Good stuff. Really enjoyed chatting with Sean Barton. My first chance to catch up with him. And uh, hopefully we get a chance to uh, catch up again a couple of times during the season ahead. But uh, really good, uh, really good stuff. He's chomping at the bit this week. He was certainly chomping at the bit last week. Uh, to get back on the field against San Diego State and get some uh, poetic justice, as he termed it, uh, against uh, those Aztecs. Nice little shout-out I thought he had to Ryan Beecher, the young man who was diagnosed with, uh, uh, had a cancer diagnosis uh, late last year. But he made his return to the football field against San Diego State uh, as well. So nice little shout-out from Sean to uh, Ryan Beecher. And I thought it was also interesting to, uh, to hear his thoughts on the other uh, linebackers, the other folks who make up uh, the uh, inside linebacking crew in particular. Look, we know about Bobby Okariki. Uh, Mustafa Branches has, has had some moments here and there whenever he's gotten the chance to, uh, to step on the playing field. And Andrew Pritz, interesting young man, was playing in the secondary last year, a kid from Pennsylvania, and he actually asked the defensive coaches, hey, put me at linebacker. And the Stanford defensive coaches acquiesced, and Pritz spent the spring is uh, one of the inside linebackers and, by all accounts, played well. Played well. Jordan Perez injured uh, for last week as well. Uh, he's an option, too. So you know, I'm not sure exactly if you're going to see the exact uh, you know, type of rotations that we've seen from the Stanford uh, inside linebacking core that we've seen uh, certainly last year where it seemed like it was a, 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 a first crew, a second crew, and a third crew, and it was a rotation in between those three. Not quite sure that's going to be exactly like that the rest of the season, but... The options appear to be there in order to pull that off, in order to spell guys, in order to keep them fresh, and in order to keep the Stanford Stanford defensive efforts humming from the inside linebacking crew. Uh, so our thanks again to Sean Barton for joining us here on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. Thanks again for checking us out here on Apple Podcasts or no matter where you are listening to us from. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter 
at Troy Clarity. My last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y, at Troy Clarity. Uh, like my Facebook page, too, while you're at it, facebook.com slash Troy Clarity TV. Getting you ready for Stanford and USC. That is our main task on this TreeCast this upcoming Saturday evening. And no one better, I, I think, to talk about this game with than our next guest. And, 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 the, and the tone for me for the Pac-12 football season ahead was set when I came up the escalators at uh, Hollywood and Highland for Pac-12 football media day back in late July. And who was the first face I saw? It was this guy. Always a pleasure. How great is ball to talk to the one and only Yogi Roth, the Pac-12 Network football analyst, joining us here on the TreeCast. Yogi, thanks a bunch as always. How are you doing today? Troy, thanks for having me, man. Always love running into you or talking to you, man. Been looking forward to today. <laughs> uh, likewise, likewise. Always appreciate the time and the chance to chat. And uh, let's start off our, our, our chat by talking about USC. You had the call of USC's win over UNLV last week, along with uh, Ted Robinson down at the Coliseum. USC getting the win. Took them a little while to get going, but they were able to uh, get the win uh, over the running Rebels. What were some of your big takeaways from a USC perspective uh, with that win last Last week over UNLV. Yeah, you know, I was just sitting uh, next to Jill Savage, who works in the field with us. We were talking about the game a few minutes ago, and I think my big my big takeaway uh, in the in the moment was that JT Daniels for a freshman was incredible. For air quotes, JT Daniels all of his hype, he was probably a little bit above average, uh, which makes you check yourself and be like, hey, he's just a freshman. If you look at Tua Tagovailoa, Jalen Hurts, um, Jake Fromm, when they came out and played their first game, their first snaps as freshmen, they were not asked to do nearly what JT was asked to do in the ball game. So uh, I think in the game, I was like, wow, he played really well uh, for being his first time out. You look at him in the second half, you know, we track a stat of the Pac-12 now. We had Joe and I went out to call the games. We called a pace stat, which is a play after a critical error. And after he made an error in late in the second quarter, he didn't make one the rest of the game. You know, I didn't have him down for a negative play, which I, I think is impressive regardless of who your opponent is for a freshman quarterback in that system. So that was a huge takeaway. And I think the second one was probably postscript because their defense is getting lit up right now for the amount of yards they gave up. But really, it's on a fake punt, it's on a 79-yard run, and a 28-yard quarterback run. So you take those three plays out, which, which matter. But overall, I didn't feel like the defense wasn't an elite defense. I still felt like they were. So I think the narrative around that has been misconstrued throughout the week leading up to this game. I, I do think they've got the tools to be a championship caliber defense. Yeah, 308 yards allowed rushing by USC certainly opened up a lot of eyes, but hopefully it's not, uh, from a Trojan's perspective, uh, that big of a deal, perhaps. But you mentioned that USC defense, and it seems to revolve around two guys in particular, Cameron Smith and Porter Gustin, as two active linebackers as you're going to face in the Pac-12. You pop in the tape and you watch these guys. What stands out to you about them? Well, I think for Cam, the biggest thing is, his weight loss. You know, he lost 23 pounds from a year ago, and you can tell. You know, last year, you referenced the, the 308 yards they gave up. Last year, they were 100, or they were 97 in the country, giving up explosive plays. And when you go back and study it, a lot of them were because of the linebacker position, and they just overran a gap or weren't there quick enough. And I think when you look at him now, he's so much faster. I mean, he's not Bobby Okereke, but he's got burst to him that's noticeably different. And then they could Porter, you know, he wasn't there last year. Like, you know, I don't really even have a memory of him because 
you know, Stanford fans do because he played in that game earlier in the season. But having him back, and he's so violent at the line of scrimmage, the tight end, everybody other than Stanford, I think, in this conference is that position, and maybe you dub, they're going to struggle blocking him one-on-one. I mean, he's so physical. Um, he's really impressive there. And I think what they do is they elevate that whole team. You know, you go back to media days and we bumped into each other. SC had two representatives there, and it was those two. You know, they didn't have anybody on offense. I mean, they're the guys that set the tempo of this team, and I think they're going to elevate some of the younger players, like Jay Tefele, who's a star on the defensive front. They, they played 90 linemen on the matter in the game a week ago. Um, and even some of the guys in the back end, Isaiah Polamo, starting at safety as a Richard freshman. And then you add in Marvell Tell, and I think he's that third guy that keeps that defense in alignment. You know, he played the, you know, the most snaps of anybody a year ago. He really plays that deep safety position and kind of has a ball hawk on the back end. So those three guys, to me, all three layers of the defense allow them to be you know, worthy of the discussion of being a championship defense, which hasn't been the story for us. It's always been about their offense with mm-hmm. Sam Darnold the last couple of years. Talking to Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network football analyst here on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity as we start breaking down Stanford versus USC here. Uh, back to the Trojans offense. Uh, you, you mentioned Sam Darnold, no lo- he's a big-time thorn in Stanford's side over the last yeah. couple of years. Uh, but, you know, obviously JT Daniels has the tools, has the keys to the offense uh, under his belt now. But but who are some of the other players? I mean, all, all the spotlight's been on JT you kind of forget about some of the other guys. Who are some of the other players who are going to be expected to uh, to keep things going for USC offensively? Well, I think the biggest name on offense this week is Cole Lobendown. He didn't play a week ago. He's a captain, fifth-year senior, and he played every position on the offensive line. And he's a special player. You know, he's going to be a center. And they missed him last week. You know, Brett Nealon, director of freshman, taking his first snap of his career. You know, you, you couple that with a true freshman quarterback as his reference. Um, it's huge. It's a mainstay, especially going up against a Stanford defense that moves around a lot with their defensive front, going to give a bunch of different looks, going to bring unique pressures. So having a guy like Toa back to help set protections, I think is going to be huge. Uh, but then as the guy's touching the ball, you got to reference Ahmed around St. Brown. You know, you guys know his brother, mm-hmm. uh, Cyrus, and we've heard of Equinemius. You know, that family just bred, obviously, talented receivers. I think he's the best receiver to enter this conference since Deshaun Jackson when it was a pack 10. And I think he's proved to, you know, kind of worthy of that in, in week one. He's just electric. They moved him all over the place. You know, for example, when he was in the slot, I think it was seven snaps every time the ball was directed at him. Hmm. You know, when you look at JT throwing him the ball. So he's a guy who they're going to feed the ball to. He's going to have 70, 80 catches this year. And then the other two guys on the outside, Stanford fans know really well from the Pac-12 title game with Tyler Vaughn and Michael Pittman Jr., they didn't play their best game, but I think it's an element of the repetitions they haven't had with JT Daniels. You know, because there was a three-way quarterback battle throughout the majority of training camp, you know, they're splitting the reps. That's how SC set it up. So those guys just haven't had the reps in terms of like the 39 snap route at the sticks. SC missed some of those. They can't miss them to pull it out. But those are some, some big-time players, I think, on that offense. And then they've got three backs. They'll to rotate off uh, Cedric Ware. Uh, number 28, he's a senior, came in with uh, Ronald Jones II in the same recruiting class, but clearly was overshadowed for good reason. And now it's his turn. Look at Mavai, uh, Malapai. He's kind of the, probably the purest, you know, workhorse type of back they have. And then Stephen Carr, which is the most elite. You know, he didn't get a lot of touches last week coming back off of back surgery, but he's got a chance to be, you know, one of the top backs in the conference, let alone the country. So they've got skill players at SC. They always have. 
So Stanford's going to have to disrupt the timing up front and force JT to get the ball out of his hand. Yeah, a lot, lot of weapons for USC, as always. A lot of weapons for Stanford, too. Uh, as we start to kind of shift the prism over to, to this game just a little bit for a moment here, uh, you, you mentioned you didn't make too much of the fact that USC uh, gave up 308 yards rushing to UNLV. What do you make of 18 carries for just 29 yards for yeah. Bryce Love? Yeah, uh, and I uh, apologize for the noise. I'm on the train here in Seattle. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a really good point, man. Um, but when I watched the game live, you know, on, on the Friday night, I was like, man, San Diego State is just selling out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it felt like there were 13 guys in the field at the time all trying to stop the run. Um, and then when you watch it back, it, that was the case. It just wasn't 13, but it was like 8 and 9, uh, which clearly after the first quarter when every team in the country settles in, regardless of the game, they said, okay, this is what they're trying to do to us offensively and to really sell out to stop Bryce and make K.J. beat him. And that, I think, is a general philosophy of every coach in the country that I've ever met. Make a quarterback beat us. Even if it's Washington State, it's don't let him run it. Make him beat us. And he did, clearly, with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. And I think now with the litany of tight ends that they have, we saw a couple of them get into the mix. The receivers need to evolve. I'm not too worried about it because you just got to give Bryce a crease and he's going to go. And I think this O-line will take a big jump in week two. You know, Walker Little, Nate Herbig, and company. You know, they saw a, a tough scheme, you know, in the three three five, which is what San Diego State runs. They'll see a tough scheme this week. You know, there's elements of the same stuff with Clancy Pendergast, the defensive coordinator at USC, and they're going to try to stop Bryce because he's a guy that can break your back, as the country got to see a year ago, um, and, it, and clearly is well-documented how explosive he can be. So I, I think SC comes in with a similar game plan, um, and we'll see if the corners can hang on the outside. Yeah, I can't wait to see the chess match between uh, the Stanford offense and David Shaw and Tavita Pritchard and the Stanford offensive brain trust and uh, USC defensive coordinator Clancy Pendergrass, who's come up with a good uh, game plan or two throughout the course of his wonderful career, both in college and in the pros. Overall grand scheme of things, when you look at Stanford, what what are some things that that you think are reasonable to expect for the Cardinal in 2018? I think they're a 10-1 program every year, as well as this year, which... And you look at them, UW, NSC, and, and I would put Utah in that mix. It's the teams in the Pac-12, my eyes, that are, you know, are cut above the others. And I'd say UW, at least after week one, looked even potentially slightly higher than, than those four that I referenced. So they'll get a chance every week. You know, their challenge will be like everybody. You know, you got to play consecutive conference games. You don't have a layup game. You know, you look at their first five weeks of the season, and it's brutal. And so they can get through that. And undefeated, I mean, look out, you know, really, when you look at that schedule. So uh, I think the standard is, is what it is, a, a huge program around the country. You look at even just where they are in AP rankings, which I try to not give any credit mm-hmm. uh, most of the time. But still, it's really a level of respect where the program is at, you know, being ranked as high as they are this week. This is always a funny kind of year, funny type of year after the first week of the season. Everyone seems to think that they have uh, all these grand revelations about where their team is going and which direction that they're headed in, either in a positive or a negative direction. It it, it never fails. Any knee-jerk reactions around the Pac-12 that you came away with after last week's action was said and done? Yeah, I think Zach Moss is an NFL back. I think he's a thousand-yard back and one of the best in the country. And he'll remind you of Royce Freeman. Um, He he reminds you a little bit of Frank Gore, to be honest with you. So that was impressive. 
uh, I look at Colorado, and that was probably the best storyline of the week for me. Uh, so disappointing last year for them, and then, of course, all of us covering them. You just thought they would keep the rise going in, in Boulder. And uh, for them to bounce back, they got a new office coordinator calling plays, and Darren Shipper. And they were so aggressive. They have so many playmakers. Well, Vizca Chanel, you know, Gary Barnett called them one of the best players in the history of Colorado. And he hasn't played a lot of football. You know, you look at Katie Nixon and Steven Montez, I think, is a star. Um, same size as KJ Costello. He's got a huge arm, probably a little bit different type of athlete. Uh, so that, to me, is a program that, that they're going to beat some people this year and just shows you how competitive the conference is. Should be a lot of fun to watch as the season goes along. Yogi, as we wrap this up here, Stanford, USC, always big, always high stakes, generally high drama whenever these two teams get together. I think you hinted at it a little bit before. What are the, your keys to victory for either side here as both Stanford and USC try to get Pac-12 playoff on the right foot? I think always in early games, it's unforced errors. You know, I track them. You know, you look back at UW and Auburn, and they hurt themselves. Mm-hmm. So not to take anything away from Auburn. Um, and you look back to Stanford early last year, other than that SC game where they just went off, um, whether it was the San Diego State game, you know, they just hurt themselves. And I think that's a huge part of the non-conference time of the year, which is basically the first three weeks of September for most teams throughout the country. Uh, so I think that's going to be the big one. And I think it's going to be for Stanford – and they change up the picture for J.T. Daniels, knowing he's going to try to get the ball out of his hands quickly. You know, either they run a pure progression system, you know, meaning he's going to go from one to two to three, regardless of the defense. You know, he's just going to read it out you know, in that pure type of fashion. Well, can they change the picture, force him to hesitate, get him off the platform, get some people around his feet? If they can do that. Uh, they'll, have get a, they'll get a chance. And then, of course, if they can run the ball. I mean, the Stanford's biggest key to victory over the last decade is when they can dictate terms. And they dictate terms when they run the ball, and you have limited opportunities. And that team only gets, you know, eight or nine possessions in the game, Stanford's going to win. So if they get 11, 12 more, or more possessions in the game, uh, look out, because that's so explosive that they can go do that. So I think that's going to be the, the biggest key for Stanford. And then for SC, they got to run the football. You know, San Diego State was able to move the defensive front seven of Stanford, uh, which was surprising to me a week ago. Now, again, I thought all across the country, defensive fronts got the ball run on them pretty much everywhere other than Alabama, you know, or <laughs> if teams were playing nobody. But any of the real games, people struggle on the defensive front because you don't see a lot of full contact in scrimmage or, in, in, yeah, in practice sessions and training camps. So I think that's going to be a huge piece for both of those teams is the, is the line of scrimmage, which kind of standard when you look at this matchup over the last decade or so. I think it's the most critical rivalry in conference play, uh, regardless of location or, you know, recruiting or storylines. I think regarding this conference, I think SC and Stanford uh, is, the, is the biggest game that this conference has seen and continues to do that. Yeah, it, it's amazing. For years, this was just merely a series. For decades, this was just mere, merely a series. But now it's a full-fledged rivalry. I cannot wait until 5 p.m. on Saturday afternoon. Yogi Roth also can't wait until 2 p.m. on Saturday afternoon because he's got the call North Dakota at Washington up at Husky Stadium. Check out the first half of that one, put the second half on DVR, and then then check out Stanford uh, at uh, at 5 o'clock. Yogi, always appreciate the time. Have a great call. And have how great is ball? Here we go again. Thanks as always. Always appreciate the time. I love it, man. How great is ball indeed. Thanks, brother. Yeah. 
Good stuff, as always, from Yogi Roth. And one of the many things I like about Yogi is that he's not just about football. I mean, how great is ball indeed, but but he's not just about football. Check out his Life Without Limits podcast as well. As uh, I remember his film as well a couple of years ago with a Life in a Walk. Uh, so uh, he's uh, he's obviously into a lot of uh, a lot of different things and a lot of different positive things uh, as well, and has uh, great get get, get uh, great ways to get uh, some of his messages uh, across. So uh, life without limits, uh, superb podcast. Always appreciative of that, and certainly appreciative of the time that uh, Yogi spends with ever uh, with us whenever it's time to talk football. One thing I do want to get deeper into that 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 he touched on, and one thing that. But I'm very interested to see what happens this week is the chess match between the Stanford Offensive Brain Trust and USC defensive coordinator Clancy Pendergast. Clancy has an NFL background, but has really made a name for himself since coming to the college game in the early portion of the season. You might remember when he was the defensive coordinator for Cal in the early portion of the decade, I should say. And uh, then went back to the 49ers for a year or so and then then, then has now spent uh, the last couple of years running the show defensively for USC. Take a listen to David Shaw, who goes back with Clancy a long ways. Don't forget, David Shaw has an NFL pedigree as well. Take a listen to Coach Shaw's thoughts on Clancy Pendergast and, and what it's like facing an offense like his especially considering that Clancy has such an NFL pedigree. Here's uh, David Shaw on Clancy Pendergast. There are a lot of, uh, no offense to anybody, a lot of college colleges, offense, defensively, they're just going to run what they run. You know, every single week they're going to run what they want, run and hope that it works. Whereas um, that, that, that NFL background is like, hey, if we have to tweak something next week, we're going to tweak it. If we have to kind of run a, a different version of ourselves next week to try to give her a chance, then that's what we're going to do. And you see that with Clancy. You see different games have different game plans. And um, it's almost uh, fruitless to try to anticipate what that game plan is. Um, but understanding our history, understanding what, what he's done, we have a good idea where to start. But you never completely know until you get into, into those games. Yeah, very intriguing thoughts from David Shaw on USC's defensive coordinator, Clancy Pendergast. And, and it, it, look, I'm Clancy, I'm sure is going to throw some wrinkles at Stanford that maybe the Cardinal might quite not be expecting. That being said, I'm sure Stanford hopefully has some things up their sleeve that they didn't show against uh, against uh, San Diego State on tape last week. Hopefully specifically in getting Bryce Love to the outside. But I would think and I would hope that the Stanford Offensive Brain Trust would have some things and uh, be able to adjust on the fly, no matter what Clancy Pendergast uh, throws at uh, the Cardinal. By the way, uh, Clancy is 3-4 and four lifetime against the Cardinal, of course, including the two wins that USC had over Stanford uh, last year during the course of the season. His first game as a defensive coordinator against Cal, 2010, or against Stanford, rather, was when he was with Cal. That was 2010 big game. How did that game turn out? Oh, 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 yeah. But I was just very intrigued by those thoughts that David Shaw had on Clancy Pendergast and the USC defense, which is going to is going to come to play. But to me, the big key to this game above everything else 
Yes, it will be nice to see Stanford rush the ball. Yes, it will be nice to see Stanford continue to grow in the passing game. I'd also love to see a little run after the catch. Not exactly sure where that's going to come from at this point, especially with Connor Weddington not being able to play. Osiris St. Brown, anybody? Is, is that going to be his role potentially going forward? We'll see. We'll, we might start to get a bit of that answer uh, coming up this Saturday. But above all the things, all the things offensively that I think are key for Stanford, nothing else happens. Nothing else happens unless Stanford tackles people. What were the things that were sorely lacking for Stanford in the two meetings against the, against the Trojans last year? Big tackles, and sometimes any tackles. Tackling was as, as bad as I'd seen it for Stanford in the first meeting between these two teams last year down at the L.A. Coliseum in early September of 2017. That's as bad as I've seen Stanford tackle. And again, I've been following this team for 26 years. That, that's as bad as I've seen it. And unfortunately, it, it, I mean, it improved a little bit when Stanford met USC in the Pac-12 championship game last December, but, but not quite enough. Sam Darnold still able to make big throws, deep throws, and USC receivers able to make big gains. USC rushing back, running backs as well. Stanford did not tackle almost at all the first time these two teams met last year. And they still didn't tackle well enough the second time around. Tackle, tackle, tackle. Tackling must improve for Stanford this time around. Must. Interesting that Dylan Jackson, Stanford defensive lineman, uh, spoke to the media as part of the, part of the press luncheon festivities on Tuesday afternoon. And he relayed to us that defensive coordinator Lance Anderson told the squad Hey, look, you, you missed 20 tackles against San Diego State. Those 20 missed tackles added an extra 100 yards to the Aztecs total last week. And yes, as good as Stanford played defensively for most of the game last week, tackling still wasn't quite up to snuff. Still wasn't quite at a Pac-12 championship level. That needs to improve above all else. Can Stanford tackle people? That is my big key when Stanford faces USC on Saturday evening. What's your big key? Let me know. I, I want to be as interactive with these shows as I possibly can. The best way to do so is via Twitter. You can hit me up personally, at Troy Clarity. Last name is C-L-A-R-D-Y, at Troy Clarity. The best way for, to, for me to see your thoughts on Twitter, hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast. You got thoughts on the show, you got thoughts on uh, Stanford football overall. I certainly welcome them. Hashtag TreeCast is the way to go. Don't forget to uh, subscribe to the show via Apple Podcasts. Rate and review the show as well. If you did it last year, you're going to have to do it all over again this year. My apologies for that. But as far as Apple Podcasts is concerned, uh, this, is a, this is a whole different show, whole new show. So if you subscribed, rated, and reviewed the show last year, just take, take a couple quick seconds and do it again this year. I would certainly appreciate it. Uh, when you rate and review the show, hey, be honest. If you love the show, great. I certainly appreciate the compliments and uh, very appreciative of the ones that, 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 that I and this show have received so far this year. If you don't like the show, let me know that too. I want to make this show the best thing it can possibly be. Uh, proud to be in this space 
one of the few Stanford football podcasts out there. I can't think of any others off the top of my head that are specifically uh, uh, dedicated to the Cardinal. But uh, we want to make this the best show that we possibly can. So uh, rate and review the show honestly. And uh, you can always hit me up on Twitter. Hashtag TreeCast. Should be a lot of fun. Always is. When USC is in the building, when that band is playing that song over and over and over again, and uh, their fight song as well. It's all part of the fun, isn't it? And, and, and as, as we talked about with Yogi briefly, I remember for so long, Stanford-USC was just merely a series. Just merely a series. Now it's a rivalry. Now the, the passion and the, and the, you know, I don't like using this word, especially in this day and age, but the, the hatred between these two, it's mutual. It's mutual. And glad to have it back again, even if it's still a bit too early in the season for my liking. But you know what? Hey, whenever Stanford and USC are squaring off in the football field, these days you can sign me up no matter when it's happening. You can sign me up. Thanks again to our guests, Stanford inside linebacker Sean Barton and Pac-12 Network football analyst, podcast host, filmmaker, surfer, I believe, too, <laughs> all-around great guy, Yogi Roth. Thanks to those two for joining us on the show. And, of course, as always, the biggest thanks goes out to you for being a part of the TreeCast. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Enjoy the game on Saturday. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. And we will see you next time. Can't wait to break it all down for you after it's all said and done on the next edition of the TreeCast with Troy Clarendon.